When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, what's going on, everyone? Red Sox beat CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your boss and Red Sox on Twitter at Red Sox CLNS. Search on Facebook, Red Sox Beat Podcast. And of course, don't forget to follow the whole network at CLNS Media. And now uh, we're going to jump on with our guest of the week, Chris Villani of WEEI. What's going on, Chris? How are we? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Uh, doing well, doing well. Um, getting through the week, and as we record here, Red Sox are virtually tied for first place, kind of in first place. The whole makeup game with the Yankees is confusing. But um, want to jump right in. Before we get to baseball talk, I really just want to get your th- your thoughts on this whole Hanley situation because you know news broke with a suspicious uh, a suspicion of him being tied with some drug cartel in Lawrence Mast, and today on Sunday, someone came out and debacked that whole thing. So just what's your take on this? Is it more of just some somebody connected with Hanley being there, like mentioning his name at the wrong time? Or just what were your thoughts when all this has been going down the last couple of days? Well, from what it sounds like, I mean, the initial report that came from uh, Michelle McPhee was a tweet, and it was pretty carefully worded. I mean, it, it, she didn't say that he had been charged with anything. She didn't say that he had... Uh, even necessarily done anything wrong. It was just that he was linked or being eyed or being connected to uh, an ongoing uh, federal and state investigation, and then she kind of expanded from there. But it looks like this is just a case of somebody who may or may not have a connection to Hanley Ramirez trying to drop his name to get out of trouble, um, which is you know, certainly ill-advised on this uh, individual's part. Uh, but according to the documents that were filed in federal court over the weekend, uh, that seems to be the case. I mean, it doesn't look like Hanley Ramirez has any uh, connection here. He's not under investigation. Uh, basically, somebody thought, may, if I throw out Hanley's name, maybe I can get out of some trouble. But if you're trafficking fentanyl, uh, as I believe this particular individual is uh, is connected to, um, that's not really going to work uh, all that all that well, especially with two kilograms of fentanyl inside, and that's according to an affidavit that was filed in federal court. So it doesn't really get anything tied into uh, Hanley directly. Uh, it looks like his friend, though, is in, uh, is in a whole, whole lot of trouble. It's the I know somebody factor, so I can't get in trouble, right? Um, so with this being said, then, you know, people started to talk about how this kind of made sense. You know, Hanley got released, and it was right around the same time. So, like, people were putting these storylines together like it makes sense. No teams are interested in him. Now what's next for Hanley, right? Like, no teams have reached out to him. He wants to play baseball still, it sounds like. So what is next for Hanley Ramirez past this story? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, it looks like this story uh, doesn't really have any connection to him, you know, playing baseball or not playing baseball and not being picked up. I mean, it is curious at this point, especially because uh, you're essentially getting a player 
um, you know, out of bankruptcy here, so to speak, with uh, with Ramirez because you don't have to pick up the option next year. You don't have to pay his salary this year. You can get him essentially for free. Um, it, it really kind of reinforces the idea that the the Red Sox maybe made the right move in, in moving on from him. Now, this is kind of a different season in general when it comes to the trade deadline and it comes to free agency because there's so many teams that just blatantly aren't in contention right now and aren't even really masking that fact. There's more really good teams and more really bad teams uh, than we've seen in baseball in some time. So Hanley, I mean, based on some of the Instagram stories and things he's posting, seems like he's fairly uh, content waiting it out and, uh, and and sort of slow playing this. I mean, the problem with that for him is the longer you stay away from the game, the harder it can be to get back to it. So this particular story, it sounds like it doesn't really have any link at all towards the DFA, which I still think is um, mostly about the, the not wanting to pick up the $20 million-plus option for next year. But it's curious, uh, certainly, that you still haven't seen Hanley Ramirez get picked up, and you wonder uh, how much of a drive he has really to get back into it at this point. Is it the end? You outside looking in, uh, the Chris Villani opinion. <laughs> is, is he out or is he done with? Is he done with baseball? I, I, I have to imagine he wouldn't be done with baseball entirely. I think he would get another opportunity somewhere, uh, whether it's later on this season, whether it's just a bat. Um, you know, at the uh, the end of the uh, towards the end of the year, the stretch run when the pennant races are more and division races are more clearly defined, uh, or maybe even an opportunity next year. I mean, he's not that old. He is a guy who uh, I think we saw at least in flashes this year uh, when he was back healthy after being injured and dealing with that shoulder injury for a good part of last year, can still be a, a, a power bat, can still give you a little something from the right side. Uh, is he an everyday player? Probably not. Can he hit left-hand, uh, left-handed pitching? Uh, yeah. And, and could he help a contending team? Maybe. So I, I, if I had to guess, I would say we will see him at least get one more opportunity. All right, Chris, let's jump to this edition of the Red Sox, obviously minus Hanley Ramirez. Biggest topic this past week has been, you know, the bottom half of this lineup. It's been past Xander Bogarts. It's been the Devers inconsistency. It's been Jackie Bradley. It's been the catching. What does this team need to do to address the bottom half of the lineup, seeing that, you know, right now, I mean, it's gotten better over the last couple of games, but can they consistently get back to where they were earlier in the year? Or is the bottom half of this lineup going to be a problem as this team gets closer to the trade deadline and moving forward past that? Yeah, there are parts of uh, this team, especially offensively, that look similar to what we saw last year, right? I mean, Jackie Bradley had a three-for-three day uh, today, but, you know, he has gone through long stretches of ineffectiveness. The catching position, I don't think they were counting on getting much offense from that. Devers has been probably the biggest surprise, and it's difficult to uh, sort of remind ourselves how young Rafael Devers is and that he's going to have some growing pains and some bumps along the way as he tries to, you know, continue to establish himself as a major league hitter, and he certainly is. I mean, we've seen what this guy is capable of. Um, I don't know that there's going to be a great option for the Red Sox externally. I, I think it's really going to come down to, can Jackie Bradley get hot? You know, can he go on one of those stretches that we've seen from him in the past? Can Rafael Devers uh, sort of right the ship? Can they get something from the Vasquez-Leon um, combination? Because, you know, when this team, especially in the beginning of the season, we saw how well Mookie Betts was hitting and hitting at the top of the lineup and having so many, whether it be a solo home run, a double with nobody on base, just sort of wasted opportunities to drive in runs because what Alex Gore was counting on was a lineup that could hit really effectively one through nine, was a lineup that could give him some version of what he had last season with the Astros when George Springer was so effective uh, leading off for the, for the World Series winners. So it, it's a tough spot right now for the Red Sox. And you look at most of the other things – uh, most of the other parts of this team, and starting pitching, 
uh, has been very good. The top half of the lineup, the bullpen, and the bullpen is probably the easiest place to uh, add and supplement uh, going through the season, whether it be internally or externally. Uh, but getting that bat, you know, finding that offensive spark, I think that's something that they'll maybe look hard at over this next month. Uh, they're just not in a great position to deal uh, in terms of their own assets, and it kind of goes back to what's the market really going to look like when you've got so many teams that just aren't contending, only a handful of teams that will be buyers. Uh, it may be uh, difficult to, to pry away anything impactful with what the Red Sox have and would be willing to give up. With their need of a bat, Chris, I know the one guy that has some value in the system is Sam Travis. Now, he's obviously bounced back and forth. Can Sam Travis have an impact? Cause I know there's some people around fans here and some media members and whatever it may be still believe in Sam Travis. I think, obviously, Sam Travis still believes in Sam Travis. Is there any chance that he gets a shot to come up here and help this bottom of the lineup, or is he kind of riddled to Pawtucket? I mean, he's gotten some shots. You know, he was, uh, was called up uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago briefly. I mean, yep. he's gotten so many opportunities, and we just haven't seen it from this guy. So uh, I'm not really optimistic that, that he's going to be the answer. I think you're right, though, to, to look at it and say, I mean, who else would you, would you find? And the, the guy that, that would be getting a shot maybe on a, under a different uh, circumstance would be Rusnay Castillo. I mean, if they wanted to spend the money to bring him up, if they wanted to uh, sort of dive into the, the – uh, deeper into that luxury tax, he's the best option. And, uh, you know, I know some people have been, some observers and columnists have been saying that, that he should get an opportunity. Um, it's hard to justify not giving him a shot if the bottom of the lineup, especially Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, continues to falter. And Castillo is a risk-free kind of move. He's got some power in, in Pawtucket. He's hitting in the middle of the lineup. He's hitting over 300. Could they get more offensively out of him than Jackie Bradley Jr. in center field? I think definitely. I don't see how it could, uh, that could not be the case. That said, they've got to be willing to pay him. And I think at a certain point, especially if you look at this team and say, this team's potentially a one better bat away from being a legitimate World Series contender, and I think people may make that, that argument, then it gets harder and harder not to justify, okay, for, for not wanting to spend a few million extra bucks, um, you're really going to risk the the opportunity of that bat being the difference between winning a pennant or not. I, I think that might get a might be a harder equation to justify, especially if Castillo continues to hit and the bottom of the Red Sox lineup continues to struggle. What's the leash then on that situation? Like, if you consider Rusne Castillo, is it after the deadline? Do you see if you can get something externally? I mean, I don't even know if you can trade anything at this point. The value you don't have in the farm system is insane. But what's the leash of there? Of how much longer does the bottom of this lineup get? Well, I think they're going to waste uh, wait a little bit into July and see how the trade market develops. I mean, you get you get to see uh, who's going to be on the move, what might what asking prices are looking like, and I think it might be um, you know the middle of of this coming month of July uh, where they're able to get a, a good sense of okay. You know what's the line? Uh, what, what what's the market going to be? Uh, are they going to be able to do anything? Uh, is there something that they can get that will make a difference and not give up uh, a big piece that they really don't have? Number one, <laughs> and wouldn't be willing to give up with, uh, or wouldn't be able to part with number two. So I, I think there's a little bit of a leash here, but you know as you get towards that trade deadline, if the answer is just not coming externally, uh, then you look internally, and, and Castillo would seem to me, at least right now, to be the best bet, but he obviously does come with a cost. You switch to the bullpen, because you, you mentioned it, and, and I want to kind of stop you there, because bullpen, a lot of some, some people think it's fine, some people don't think it's fine. Are you in the point where you're okay with riding out the bullpen and the bottom of the lineup's more of an issue? Because I'm not a believer in the back end, and I think you might be able to afford some help there, if possible, but 
What's your take on this bullpen, and can you trust these guys to be the group moving forward? Yeah, I think overall you can. I mean, I think this bullpen has been one of the better ones in baseball so far uh, this season. I, I think bullpens have sort of a, a meteorologist uh, tie to them, and that <laughs> you know, meteorologist gets the forecast right twenty days in a row. The day he screws it up when you got a wedding is the day you get frustrated. I think we remember sort of the big failures and flops of this bullpen uh, more so than we do the, the successes. But I, I would certainly put them up against Houston. I mean, the Yankees obviously have a very good bullpen. That's going to be a challenge to overcome. But uh, you look at the number of one-run games, the Astros have lost, the number of games they've given up uh, in late innings, the Astros at the closer position relative to uh, the Red Sox at the closer position, and, and I think it all lines up pretty favorably for Boston. And as I mentioned before, that is one area where I, I don't want to say you can always get a guy, but that is one place where you, you can sort of make it work out. And the Red Sox do have a lot of depth in starting pitching, so I do think, especially looking into a postseason situation where you're shortening the starting rotation, where you have more arms available, I think they do have enough uh, to get it done and be very effective and still one of the best closures in baseball. So um, that is one of those things that's just easy to say, well, they can always get better at that spot, but I still would look at the bottom half of that lineup as being the bigger concern. How big of a factor has the starting rotation been then on the bullpen? Because I look at it and go, you know what, if it wasn't for like Chris Sale and, and David Price even like pitching the way they have been, this bullpen might look a little more taxed and a little more vulnerable than they have been. Yeah, but again, you could say the same thing for Houston. I mean, look at the look at the rotation that the Astros are putting out there once every uh, once uh, you know every every week through the through the rotation. I mean, it's you know they're handing off uh, a one effective starter to another, including a guy who might be the best pitcher in the American League. So uh, again, they they've sort of done it uh, in a in a similar fashion where they've had really really good starting pitching. They've got a good lineup, and they've been able to ride that a little bit. And the Red Sox are sort of following uh, that exact same model. So. Um, yeah, you could say the starting pitching has helped, but they've got it. I mean, they've got the starting pitching. I, I really don't look at that as a huge concern. Chris Sale's been pitching well. His last three starts, a one seven one uh, ERA coming into today, and then uh, he was outstanding today. This was the, the vintage sale that you saw at the beginning oh, yeah. of last season. So, um, yeah, is the starting pitching helping? Sure, but, you know, they've got it. So, I mean, it's like saying <laughs> J.D. Martinez is really helping the middle of this lineup. Well, yeah, they've got him. So, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, the, the fact that they do uh, bodes well not only for the bullpen, but the Red Sox chances in general. So, big picture, what do the Red Sox need to do consistently the rest of the way? What, what's the biggest thing they need to keep doing? to stay with the Astros, the Yankees, because obviously it seems like everybody that's talking about the Red Sox are putting them third in the American League right now. Yeah, it's all, it starts with the starting pitching, and that's been a strength for this team, and they're going to be as good as their starting pitching. I mean, that's it, it's a cliche, but it certainly bodes uh, or holds true for this particular team, and, and we've said it all throughout the season and the offseason coming into this year. Chris Sale and David Price are going to carry this team into the postseason. Chris Sale and David Price are going to be linchpin guys for this team in the postseason. And then you add in Rick Porcello, Eduardo Rodriguez, Stephen Wright, uh, you know, the depth that they have. They may not have quite the top end that the Astros does, but they're they're right there with them, maybe a 1 and 1A, one and they've got the ability to, um, you know, put a lot of different arms out there, a lot of depth, especially, again, in a playoff situation. So starting pitching is the biggest thing. They, you know, they continue to um, be able to put this team in a position to win night in, night out, which they've done by and large. Uh, they're going to be fine, and, and they're going to be able to hang in there with the Yankees, who are also really good. I mean, it's yeah, three teams right now that are on pace to win more than 100 games sort of shows, again, the haves and have-nots in baseball. But the Red Sox are one of the haves, and 
um, you know, they'll be right there with him if they continue to pitch. All right, Chris, one last question before we get you out of here. Um, Dustin Pedroia and Tyler Thornburg, both figuring out their own injuries. X factors potentially, right? You know, we're talking about areas of needs, a bat potentially, as well as that bullpen help. Those guys potentially could be the answer, right? They're coming up and they could be there for this team. Likelihood of both those teams, both those players being here for this team moving forward, Pedroia and Thornburg. Well, it sounds like Pedroia is uh, is still a ways away. I mean, he's not even doing any uh, baseball activities right now. He's you know running on the treadmill late last week, and it doesn't seem like he's going to be back at least in the first half of the year uh, for Thornburg. He's a guy that uh, I mean, how long have they been waiting on him at, at this point? So uh, you'd like to see Tyler Thornburg get back because again, it's just you can always add somebody. You can always put somebody else in that bullpen. Uh, it does seem like he's getting closer. Um, he's at least uh, you know getting into a, a position where he might be able to help this team a little bit more consistently. Um, but for Pedroia, it's frustrating because you know you hear that he's not even he's not doing much more than just running on a treadmill, and it doesn't seem like it points to a return at least in the first half of the season. So, and it's too bad because I really did think that Pedroia, despite his age. You know, if he stays on the field, and that's been a big gift for him the last few years, he's been an effective player. Uh, defensively, he gives them a huge upgrade, and he has produced. He was the Red Sox' best hitter last year uh, when he went down with an injury. So the last time we really saw him on the field consistently. So it's just been uh, sort of one setback after another for him. I don't really have high hopes for him, for Thornburg. Uh, at least his ability to help this team, uh, I feel better about that. But then again, we've been waiting on Tyler Thornburg for some time. Does Pedroia come back this year? Certainly not in the first half. Uh, yeah, I think he may give it a shot uh, uh, later on this year. But again, it's that's pure speculation. He's not doing any baseball activities, so it's really hard to put a timetable on it at this point. None of us are doctors, right? So, correct. Uh, Chris, that's Chris, we'll, we'll leave it there, man. I appreciate it. You joining on again, Chris Solani, WEI. Uh, appreciate the time, and hopefully we uh, talk to you down the line. Absolutely, anytime. Happy to do it. All right, Chris Volani, WEI on Twitter at Chris Volani forty four. Check him out, of course. Big show. Shout out to him for coming on. And he's brought to you by our good friends at Hims. 66% of men are losing their hair by the age of 35. The thing is, when you start to notice your hair loss, it's way too late by then. I ask you guys, do you want a bald spot to pop up, or do you want to do something about it first? Do you want your hairline to recede, or do you want to do something about it first? The solution is forhims.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. It's super easy, no waiting rooms, no awkward doctor visits, and of course you're saving hours by going to forhims.com. Answer a few quick questions, doctor will review, and then they can prescribe you. It's great. It's, it's something that I see work on a daily basis with people that I know in my life, and it's going to work for you now. All you got to do is go to my forhims.com. My listeners actually get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. See website for details. This would be cost hundreds, hundreds of dollars, guys, if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. You go to forhims.com slash socks. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com slash socks, forhims.com slash socks. All right, one more show. Chris Villani at Chris Villani 44 of WEI joining us here on the network. My name is Jared Skelly, hanging out with you here. Jess Thomas, not here again this week, had his child. Awesome shout-out to him, of course, because, you know, having a baby is a lot bigger of a responsibility than hosting a podcast. So leave him there. Going to hop in here now and talk about this Hanley Ramirez thing because, you know what, guys? Kind of crazy. In about a week, he's involved in a drug cartel. 
people start thinking about the timeline of like, oh, well, yeah, it makes sense. You know, he was released. That was a week after it sounds like he was involved with this drug cartel. And then after now, it's, uh, oh, well, you know what? It was just a friend who might have known Hanley's who he dropped his name. Who knows? All we know is it seems like it was a hoax, and it seems like it was a buddy of Hanley's or someone that he happens to know that is in a crap ton of trouble, and they dropped Hanley's name hoping it was one of those. Well, hey, man, you know who I am? I know Hanley Ramirez. No, it's not one of those. It seems like Hanley's good to go. He's not going to be in this drug cartel ring with the within Lawrence Mass, which we all know could happen. But um, that being said, and I asked Chris this question while he was on with us, why isn't Hanley on the team yet? Why hasn't he been signed? Because this was something that made sense. It was the, oh, the Red Sox knew something. This is something that's obviously going to keep him off other teams, and now let's just move forward and be done with it. No, it's now it's a, well, he's not doing drugs, and now he just really sucks at baseball. Why is he not getting picked up? Guys, he wasn't playing that well, and, I, and I'm and i one of the guys who thought, you know, maybe you shouldn't get rid of Hanley, and I'm still in that camp. But clearly, clearly, teams even outside looking in said, you know what? Hanley's not really worth the risk. We don't need him that badly. And I think it goes to the problem around the league of there aren't enough good teams in the league right now for Hanley to have a landing spot. That's the biggest thing. You, you look in the American League, right? It's five teams. It's the Astros. It's the Yankees. It's the Red Sox. It's the Mariners and the Indians because they're in their division and they're winning. Um, and the rest of their division is terrible. That's it. It's five teams, guys. The rest of the league is not good. So that's, that eliminates the entire American League for teams that need Hanley Ramirez because everyone else is already out of playoff contention. He's not going to the NL because then he can't DH. So, really, there is no spot for Hanley. So, you have to he has to hope that either he opens up a spot here in the AL, someone needs the last-minute DH, or you know what? Maybe, maybe he sits the rest of the year out, guys. If you checked out his Insta, his story is him sitting on a beach in the Dominican smoking a stogie. Not a bad way to be living when you're that old and the Red Sox are paying you $15 million to go away. So, I think this year might be a problem year for Hanley because of the fact that he is in a situation where the American League is dog crap and he can't get out of his own way at the plate. He wasn't good enough for an NL team to make that investment, and no AL contender needs him. So he's really in that boat where, you know what, maybe he takes his $15 million, goes away, a.k.a. the Pablo Sandoval treatment, and then comes back next year, gets on a team, and maybe comes back to baseball. Personally, I think it could be the end of his career because it seemed like he was enjoying life, retired, on the beach, but who knows there. And then the other story this week, guys, and this is one that really is, you know, and I was on the roundtable here at CLNS Media with Nick Quags this week talking about it. It's the bottom of this lineup. It's not good. It's not good. Now, hey, as we talked about it, then this past week, you know, they, look on Friday, they put 14 runs against the Mariners, and the bottom of the lineup had something to do with it. But overall, this is a problem, and the problem is past that. The Red Sox don't have anyone to deal. They can't go get a bat. They have a problem. Now, I'm in the camp where maybe Sam Travis does get a shot, and I think that he deserves another shot because what else is there to lose? So I disagree with Chris a little bit there. But also, I didn't even think about Ruzanet Castillo, and I, and I know that apparently that name's popped up a little bit. Why not? Because right now, you need something. This bottom of the lineup cannot sustain what they're doing, what they did early in the year. What they're doing right now is not good, and the pitching right now is helping you win these games. And look, I'd rather have good pitching and help the offense figures it out because you know what? Pitching does win in the playoffs. It's not a stereo, like a stereotype. Like it's not a um, something that's you know going not going to go away. It's something that's normal in a norm for a reason. Now they have to figure out 
does their starting pitching actually want to pitch in the playoffs because it's David Price and Chris Sale, who wasn't good last year in his first ever career postseason start for the most part. David Price has never been good in the postseason. And you have Rick Porcello, who had one postseason start last year, was terrible. So those are the guys you're relying on. I'd rather the offense be a little more consistent than what they're at, and I don't trust the bullpen um, as far as I can throw them. So that's the biggest hole for me is the bottom of the lineup. Now, do you go have a bat? You go get a bat? Probably not because there's not enough teams that are going to get are going to want what you have because the Yankees, the Astros, and even the Indians or the Mariners have better talent in the farm system than you do. So you're kind of stuck where you are. You have to hope that this lineup gets better. You have to hope that the rotation gets stays consistent. You have to hope that the back end of the bullpen, Joe Kelly in particular, can be big game Joe Kelly, Jimmy Buchanan, when it matters in the playoffs in Houston and New York on the road. And I don't know if I believe him that he can do that yet. And then you have to throw in the wild card of maybe Tyler Thornburg can come become a savior. And then Dustin Pedroia comes back and, and all is right in the world. I don't think that's a lot that needs to happen, guys. So keep that in mind when we're watching the season. I think they're a first place team. I think they can be they're gonna be one of the higher winning teams in the league, obviously, and they're gonna go to the postseason. They're going to have to play the one-game wild card because the Yankees are going to win this division because they're going to be able to go make a move at the deadline and you won't be able to, and that's the end of it. So it's one of those things now where we have to sit back and go, look, we're enjoying what this is. They're going to win that one-game wild card, and now they're going to have to go play a team they don't want to play on the road because of their situation. I don't know how much longer Dombrowski lasts, but right now um, his way is showing how bad it has been in Detroit and why in Miami he depleted the farm system and ran away. I don't know how much longer he has here, but this team better get high, get in the high horse and kick into the gear because this is pretty much the team you have for the rest of the year. So we'll leave it there. Again, big shout out to Chris Villani on Twitter at Chris Villani 44 WEI. Um, hopping on us here, does a lot of the Red Sox stuff before and after on this on the network and just fills in as he goes as well. So definitely check him out there if you don't already. You should. So Chris Villani44 on Twitter. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Red Sox CLNS. Subscribe, rate, and review to the show on iTunes, as well as check out the network at CLNS Media and uh, all the good coverage that we have going out there. This week, big week always for the Red Sox because they need to keep on par with what we've been doing. It's the Going back and forth to the Yankees, going back with the Astros. Got to keep up with those teams, and hopefully they can do that. Until next week, my name is Jared Scali. Hopefully we'll have Jess back. We'll see. But until then, uh, this has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media.